Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today's episode, we're going to dive into an amazing tool to support your meditation efforts as well as to help you get to sleep and measure the efficiency of your sleep in a very novel way. We all know about the wearables that we wear. This is a very different tool. This is a tool that actually measures your brain waves. It's called the Muse headband, and it is an EEG-powered meditation and sleep headband. My guest is none other than Ariel Garten, the co-founder of Interaxon, which is the company that created this incredible tool, which has really evolved over the last few years. Ariel is a scientist, she's an artist, and she's an intellectual. And she's just a great speaker. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. There will be a discount code in the show notes below. We didn't have it ready when we recorded this podcast just yet and the intro, but it'll be in the show notes. In the meantime, if you get value from this episode and you know anybody else who would as well, please make sure that you share it out. Please make sure that you leave us a five-star review if you really enjoyed it, of course. No other driver there. And before we dive into the episode, we're going to have a super short little note from one of our sponsors, and then you get to dive right in. Hey folks, I have something so exciting to tell you, and that is that the Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat is happening again, and it is happening this November from the 9th to the 13th in Cabarete on the beach in the Dominican Republic, and it is shaping up to be just as awesome as the first one was in March. The response from the participants was just overwhelmingly amazing. We had such an amazing time hosting it. And so Dasha and I decided that we wouldn't wait a year for the second one. We would do one in the fall to get ourselves and our participants ready for the winter, no matter what it brings. So if this sounds even of any interest to you, please go to my website, natnidham.com, go to the retreats tab at the top of the page, and you'll get a bunch of information there, along with a link to book a free call with Dasha and I to see if this is right for you. So thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome to the show, Ariel Garden. It's been a long time coming, and it is a pleasure to finally meet you. And Natalie, it's wonderful to be here with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm really glad we got this in, you know, before your hard, hard stop. <laughs> yes, for, for the audience who's wondering, I am eight months pregnant, plus a few days. So a- April 11th is a hard stop and a hard start to a new life coming out of me. Absolutely. And that is so exciting. Anyway, thank you for squeezing me in. And I've been a fan of yours for a long time because Muse has been, you know, I was introduced to Muse very early in the game, as we were just talking about, probably within inside of a year of, of its launch. And I've had the pleasure of using the new Muse recently. Thank you very much, which is Definitely, you know, it's funny, sometimes with things like this, you get to a next evolution, and it's not that different than the first one. And it's light years, they're light years apart, really. But before we get into the hard technical stuff, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how this all started for you. And you're the muse of muse. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Muse is more than just me. We're a whole team. But uh, I got my start in this world. I was trained as a neuroscientist. I was a psychotherapist in private practice. And I began to collaborate with Professor Steve Mann, who's the inventor of the wearable computer. And he had an early brain-computer interface system that he was using. And we started to create concerts with it where people could literally hear the sound of their mind. Oh, wow. It was yeah, it was, it was quite amazing. So we'd hook up an EEG electrode to the back of people's heads and we'd create these experiences where you could literally hear what was going on inside your brain. And I stood back and said, oh my God, this is absolutely incredible. The world needs to know about this. Hmm. And so I got together with my co-founders, Chris Amini, who is Steve's brilliant master's student and Trevor Coleman, a very good friend of mine. And the three of us sought to take this technology at the lab and bring it to the world. Except that we really didn't know what we were going to do with it. <laughs> you know, we're like, this is incredibly cool. Wow. So cool. <laughs> but how do we make it practical? Mm-hmm. And so we did all sorts of silly things like thought control toasters and thought controlled beer taps. And we were trying to get people to like thought control stuff. And we realized that as we were getting them to like thought control a light bulb and get it to glow brighter by really focusing on it, what we were really doing was giving them biofeedback on their brain activity and showing them when they were focused. And when we had them, you know, control the music by just relaxing and getting into, you know, slowing down their brainwave activity. And then the music would calm down. The real point we recognized was not the music slowing, but the person calming down Mm -hmm. and the ability to shift your brainwaves and the ability to get the feedback on what's going on in your mind. And so kind of that was the light bulb moment for Chris, Trevor, and I, when we recognized that we could actually make a tool that could give you real-time insight on your brain and do so in really valuable ways. And that's how Muse was formed. Wow. That's amazing. And you know, one of the things I've always loved about Muse is that it brings the essence of meditation, right? Because it's, you know, it, it, it's a form of meditation, if you will, because I mean, I've, I've given it to a couple of people who are hardcore meditators, like the you know, really hardcore sit on a pillow and meditate in silence for an hour. And they're like, well, what's with the birds? Like, it's so noisy. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you're not the right audience. What, what muse and certainly what it did for me as one of those people who had this story in my head that I can't meditate. I don't want to meditate. It's boring. How do I know that I'm doing it right? And I spent most of my time thinking I can't possibly be doing this right. I'm not, nothing's happening. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Right. Which, of course, is the point. But to those of us with the monkey mind, of which I think there are many of us out in the world, Mm -hmm. what Muse really did is it allowed us to anchor into a practice and get that feedback. For me, it was very magical because it was the first time I'd ever been able to connect with any form of meditation in any way. That's amazing. Thank you for getting the mission. You totally got it. I mean, that's what we are (laughs) out to do. We are out to make meditation tangibler and easier for people who also like me. I had this exact same problem. I was a practicing psychotherapist. I was teaching my patients to meditate. And I was somebody who would sit down and my brain would bounce all over the place. And I'd be like, oh my God, I suck at this. And then of course, the sensation of sucking makes you really not want to do it. Mm -hmm. So then you build up all this aversion towards it. And you're like, I can't meditate. And you build up all these stories. This was exactly me as well. (laughs) And you know, my patients, Patients would come in and and I would give them meditation as their intervention because that's what I was trained to do. Were they really meditating? Were they lying to me that they went home and meditated? <laughs> like, who knows? And it was in the course of building Muse that we were able to realize that, hold on, we can actually 
solve the problem of, am I doing this right? Because like yeah. when you're meditating, there's no little coach or guru sitting inside your head telling you what you're supposed to do. And with this technology, what we could do is effectively just that. We could put like a little coach listening to your brain activity, knowing when you're focused and when your mind was wandering and actually give you feedback and tell you, yep, that's it. Or yeah. nope, come on back. Yeah. And shockingly, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Not so shocking. And a big piece of it, the whole non-judgmental piece of meditation, right? John Kabat-Zinn, there's a big line that he talks about, like, what is, what is mind when we're talking even about mindfulness, right? Non the non-judgmental piece is huge. And I do remember early in my days of musing that I'd get really upset <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when the waves would start crashing mm -hmm. and the birds would fly away. And I'd be like, and it occurred to me at some point, um, you're missing the point. <laughs> you're, you're, you're actually missing the point. You need to step away, <laughs> calm yourself down. What are like some of the things that you've seen? Like, I mean, I know in my client and I don't have patients, I have clients that the clients that, that are able to get themselves to this place where they're willing to, and, and it's about giving yourself the time and the space, right? more often than not. What are, what are the, the results really that you're, you're, you've seen over the last, what is it now, seven years? It's been seven years. It's yeah. 2014, we came into market seven, almost eight years now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, over the last eight years, there's almost half a million people that have now used Muse to start or enhance their meditation practice. Wow. Yeah. So like half a million people around the globe have, have used this device to be like, oh, this is what meditation is. Okay, I get it. Or, or if they're an experienced meditator to be able to see deeper into their practice and gain novel insights. Um, it's at the point where I have now met more than one meditation teacher. And when I ask them the, you know, casual question that people ask you, like, how'd you start meditating? Uh, they shyly say using Muse. <laughs> so they, wow. Wow. Muse started their meditation journey and they became meditation teachers. That's amazing. And do you find that people will, will they stick with Muse all the time or do they move in and out of it as they become more proficient? It varies. It totally varies. So some people use Muse because they have zero idea how to meditate and it gets them on the, on the hook. It's like, oh, this is what it is. And then, you know, the whole world of meditation opens up to you and you can go and explore and then you come back and you go and you come back. Some people have used it literally, you know, every day for the last four years, people mm -hmm. have streaks in the thousands of days. Yeah. Um, and because it's a thing that has so many, so when we first started, the very first news that you had just had one feature, mind meditation, yep. which would give you real-time feedback on your brain during meditation. And you were able to hear when your mind was wandering and when you were focused and when you're really focused, you got those birds. Over the years, the Muse product has expanded in so many different directions. So we now have sensors to detect your heart. So we can uh, teach you to tune your interoception and listen to your heartbeat. There's breath exercises and breath sensors. There's a broad range of guided content. There's insights, there's sleep. So, you know, it's now something that serves you in multiple ways mm -hmm. um, or the people in your family. So it's also very common that like somebody will use Muse and why do they stop using Muse? Because their husband stole it <laughs> or, their, or their kid has absconded with it. Yeah. I sent my son to university with mine. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I ask him every once in a while and he, you know, he says he does use it on occasion. I, you know, I can't quite talk him into the daily practice. I'm like even three minutes, any minutes are worthy. Right. And, and it's a hard message to get across to people, but so I want to dive into some of the new features of the new news because they really are 
like to your point, like it's, it's expanded so far beyond that initial offering, which was already incredibly valuable. But let's talk a little bit maybe about some of the physiological benefits of meditation, because I know, you know, people will often say in the biohacking world, I think a lot of people are, they're kind of on the program, right? But we get new listeners all the time on this podcast and really helping people to connect with some of the very concrete scientific benefits that we know, calming your mind, tuning into your breath, tuning into your heart, all these things that sound so airy fairy have for our health. Sure. I can talk all day about the scientific validation. About I know, it. but let's, let's talk about it a little bit before we get into the specifics. So there are over 8,000 published studies demonstrating the impact of meditation to improve your attention, decrease your stress, improve your productivity, your cardiovascular health, your sleep, reduce the aging of your brain, reduce your cellular aging, and on and on and on. It might seem impractical to in your mind to be able to connect to how the simple practice can do so many things, but I'll walk you through it a little bit. So the most basic form of meditation is a focused attention practice. When you do this, you put your attention on your breath. When your mind wanders away from your breath, you notice that your mind has wandered and you choose instead of following that thought to just return your attention back to your breath. And in this very simple action, something transformational happens. So most of us go through our lives on autopilot. We go through our lives with thoughts in our head and we just assume we're supposed to be following them. And most of those thoughts are repetitive, negative, not particularly useful. When you engage this practice of letting go of that thought, not following it and moving your attention onto something else, in that moment, you've changed your relationship to your thinking. And when you do that, you reduce the amount of stressful thoughts, stressful, frustrating experiences, et cetera. How this plays out in your body is really fascinating. So stress, as we generally know, increases your cortisol levels. Cortisol rushes throughout your body. It causes your blood vessels to constrict, which makes it harder for your heart to work. It uh, screws with your insulin resistance. It causes inflammation in your body and a host of negative effects. When you simply reduce your stress by both reducing your negative thinking and saying, nope, don't got to go to that thought, don't need to go there, and breathing deeply, you dramatically shift your body's nervous system from one of the fight or flight into parasympathetic rest and digest. So both the mental and the physiological components are important to this. So when you have a negative thought, it stimulates your amygdala to look around and say, oh my God, this thing is scary. There's something here. It exacerbates the negative components of it, generates more negative thoughts, which trigger your HPA axis, your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis to release cortisol in your body. When you're able to meditate, you actually downregulate your amygdala's response. So little facet into the brain, you have this part in the front of your head called the prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is the executive function of your brain. It's kind of like the adult that can look around and say, everything's fine. Logically and reasonably, everything's okay. The amygdala is kind of like the scared little child. It's like, oh no, there's a shadow on the wall. Let's freak out. Let's freak out. Let's get everybody freaked out about it. When you do a long-term meditation practice, one of the things that researchers see is an increase in the thickness of your prefrontal cortex. So you're strengthening, you're literally changing the physiological structure of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, the executive function, the parental control. And you can even see a decrease in the activity of the amygdala, the scared freaked out child. And what it looks like is that the prefrontal cortex is better able to regulate 
the amygdala. So the prefrontal cortex is better able to say, shh, calm down, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. When the amygdala doesn't fire, the hypothalamus doesn't get the signal that there's danger, and we don't go down the HPA axis and reduce and send cortisol around the body. And so you avoid all those negative effects. On the physiological side, in meditation, we're often doing something incredibly simple, which is breathing deeply. Mm. Well, when you do that, you stimulate your vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve um, comes from your head all the way down to your gut. It's a very big nerve system. It passes your diaphragm. It actually sort of mechanically attaches by your diaphragm, which means that when you breathe in deeply through your tummy, you are mechanically stimulating that vagus nerve to be like, okay, okay. And the vagus nerve is responsible for our parasympathetic arrest and digest system. So when it gets stimulated, activated, it sends signals of calm and peace and chill and happy in your body. It literally sends anti-inflammatory signals. It causes your blood vessels to now dilate. It increases your, um, increases your blood flow. It regulates multiple systems of your body. Mm-hmm. So in this simple act of meditating, we're both down-regulating the thoughts that are associated with stress and anxiety, and we're regulating our body's physiological response to it, which leads to a massive host of physiological and cognitive benefits. You know, in brains, we see an increase in the projections in the corpus callosum, which is the connection between the left and right hemisphere. Um, and we can see a increase in maintenance of the side of the hippocampus, which is the part of your brain associated with learning and memory. We see increases in the insula, like that you're better able to sense your experiences. Um, And not to mention all of the stuff that we see from a cardiovascular Mm -hmm. and a cellular health perspective in the body. So basically, scientifically, meditation is really darn good for you. Really good for you. Well, and I love a a lot of the things that you said, obviously, but, you know, it's interesting. I had a friend I'm not in touch with him anymore, but he had a massive heart attack one day. And this is, a mm, person, sorry. well, it actually was a life-changing positive thing for him because although his dog saved him, she got a medal mm. for it actually, Wow! Uh, because, you know, he had one of those massive in the moment events. And, um, and this is a person who was physically active, didn't drink, you know, in physically fit, and so there was clearly there was something in his heart or something physiologically that that overrode all of these systems. And when he came out of the other side and he'd recovered, he asked his cardiologist, what can I do? Like, do I need to change my diet? Do I, like, I mean, do I need to exercise more or do I need to stop exercising? What do I do? And his cardiologist handed him this book by John Kabat-Zinn. What's the John Kabat-Zinn book? It's not the wise zebras don't get ulcers. It's the, it's a big full catastrophe. Living is another one of his maybe full catastrophe living anyway. And he said, learn to meditate. <laughs> that was, that was his big yeah. thing. I mean, take the blood thinners and whatever else, but, but, you know, handed him this book and this literally was a life-changing experience for this person. He did a total about face. He's actually the one that said to me, well, what's with the birds? <laughs> You know, because he had now gone to TCM, like he'd moved into a very, a much more heavy duty aspect of meditation, if you will. But I think for the rest of us, this, the beauty of the feedback and the interactive experience, and even in some ways we could almost call it gamifying of this meditative practice 
And that's, to me, that's the other big word for meditation is it's meditation practice. practice. Because when you talk about your mind wandering, and I think of it as bringing back your, your toddler and saying, no, 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 babe, we're doing this right now, right? As opposed to, we're not going to go look at the shiny thing. We're just coming back now. Shiny thing will still be there. We're going to come back here now. And people get so frustrated. They're like, well, I, you know, my mind wanders. I'm like, this is a practice. This is not a, you're not doing meditation. You're actually practicing meditation, which means it's that whole aspect of moving from one phase to another, moving from the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex. And I find that sometimes that that's helpful to people also just to, just to kind of get their heads around the fact that this isn't about being perfect. Oh, it's far from being perfect. An interesting thing about the birds. So yes, this is a practice and you want to come back and do it regularly. And so we've embedded all sorts of things in Muse that keep you coming back. And the birds are one of them. People love the birds. When you stay in focused attention for five seconds or more, you hear little tweets and it's very reinforcing to your brain. It's, it's, you know, very standard neurofeedback. It reinforces to your brain like, yep, 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 yep. That's right. Yeah. Now the, sometimes people say like, oh, but isn't meditation supposed to not have rewards and not be goal-directed. Well, the birds are actually our secret way of undermining all of that. So the first time you get a bird, you're either like a bird tweeting and you're like, whatever. Okay. It's a sound. As soon as you know that the bird is a quote unquote reward, you're like, oh my God, I got a bird. I'm so awesome. Oh, yay. And then as soon as you and the waves are crashing, <laughs> the bird flies away. And so you very quickly learn to become equally as uninvested in your rewards as your failures. Because when your mind wanders off into a thought, what happens is you hear the sound of the waves or the wind pick up. And as you earlier said, you know, that could either cause you great frustration, which is only going to make it windier and windier and windier, (laughs) or you can just say, okay, that just happened. That's okay. And non-judgmentally bring your attention back to your breath and then the wind calms. And so what you end up learning in this very, very deep intuitive way is the concept of equanimity, Mm. simply being okay with what is, not becoming frustrated when things don't go well, you know, they get wavy and stormy and not becoming overly invested in needing things to go perfectly and getting all the birds. And when you do that, that's when the magic happens. That is so, I never even thought of it that way. That's so brilliant. I love that. And the fact that you could get me to a place of equanimity is pretty impressive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm all about the celebration. So, and, but if you think about it, like I did a meditation this morning to prepare for today and it wasn't very long. It was a 10 minute, but I've been very consistent with some form of meditation or other for now, a good couple of weeks and previous to that off and on, but at least 30 minutes a day. And I would amazing. say it's a muscle, right? Yes. It's, it is amazing how in this 10 minute session today, how much calmer and more focused I was able to be. And I do believe that it's because, and it's not because today's a special day. I've got just as many, you know, billion little things floating around in my brain, bouncing around. It's just, I think it's this, it's this consistency over the last period of time that has built this ability to just sit. So Anyway, I I do love that, but I know that we have limited time today. So what I really like to do is dig a little bit into the new features that you brought into Muse because there's like, you went from one thing to like, now there's like a thousand things in there (laughs) and it's, and you know, the, the sleep is really interesting to me because the sleep monitoring, 
that's, that's a beast that there's a million people chasing around. Right. And so aside from the fact that you have something on the head that can measure brain waves, So that's a natural extension of what you would do with, with that type of a tool. And we know that people who meditate are better sleepers. Yeah. They sleep more efficiently, but they might not need as much sleep because they're better. They're kind of better at sleeping if that's a thing, but how did you make that leap into sleep and where are you seeing people really benefit the most from the sleep aspect? And what is it? Maybe we can explain to people because it's relatively new. So what we noticed when we talked to people who were using their muse is we asked them, you know, when are you using it and why? And the second most popular time was at 10 PM and people were using it to help them Mm. fall asleep. And so we said, okay, we know we can do something that's really going to work here because the original muse you couldn't comfortably wear while Mm -hmm. lying down. So we totally redesigned it and we created this very soft, very comfortable fabric, cozy headband called Muse S um, for soft or for sleep. And Muse S gives you these beautiful experiences that we call digital sleeping pills that actually guide you into sleep. So Muses can both track your sleep as effectively as a sleep lab. And we have multiple sleep labs who are doing the validation on it um, because only EEG can actually see what's going on in your brain. Anything else is a proxy. And then while you have a device that's able to effectively track your levels of sleep and wakefulness, that means that we can now create a personalized experience that understands what your brain needs to get you to the next stage to sleep. So in the digital sleeping pill, you're listening to beautiful audio content that you choose, whether it's meditation, sleep stories, soundscapes. And as your brain starts to move into focus on the audio, the audio shifts a little bit to re-engage you more. And then as your brain starts to walk a little bit into sleepiness, the audio starts to Uh, soften and shift to encourage your brain further into sleep. And as you're about to fall asleep, the audio shuts off, giving you the space to let your brain go, disengage and move into sleep. And if for some reason that doesn't happen and you don't sleep, the audio comes back in, re-engages you, and then walks you down into the same cycle, kind of like landing Mm -hmm. a plane. And then if you wake up in the middle of the night, the muse will wake up with you, give you a couple minutes, just fall asleep on your own. And if you don't, it'll automatically and gently bring back in the same beautiful experience that walked you to sleep in the first place. So it's super powerful. A recent study demonstrated that improves sleep quality, including going to sleep and going back to sleep by 20%, which is dramatic. Yeah, that is really dramatic. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, Oxford HealthSpan, makers of Primadine, the only spermidine supplement that I personally use and recommend to my clients and family. Spermidine has earned a permanent spot on my longevity stack. Research has shown that spermidine positively impacts six of the nine hallmarks of aging, including protecting your DNA from damage as you age. Regular users also experience visible results after just one to three months, including better hair, skin, nails, and deeper sleep. I choose Primadine because it is the only spermidine supplement on the market that is free of any additives or excipients, while including a prebiotic to feed your own bacteria to make more of your own spermidine. And now Primadine also has a gluten-free version. To try Primadine, go to primadine.com and use discount code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. And so do people need to be wearing headphones when they're listening to it or... So if you don't have a bed partner, you can just listen to the audio off your phone. Um, If you do, then headphones are recommended. Yeah, no, I I can imagine my husband would be, I I wore my headphones. (laughs) 
because I did, I found them a little bit awkward, but then I thought, okay, I just, you know, I've, I mean, the tricky thing is you have to have your Bluetooth on for it to talk to Muse, right? While you're, while yeah, you don't need your Wi-Fi. Yeah, so I, so that took me a minute to figure out. Like I was able to turn off everything but Bluetooth. And then having the phone close enough to me on my pillow, not on my pillow, but on the bed, so that there was enough slack in the in the earbuds. Yeah, so wireless headphones work really well. People like using it with AirPods. And lots of people already fall asleep wearing headphones. You know, for a lot of people listening to something super boring is the way that they get themselves to bed. Right. Or watching a not so boring video is the poor way to get themselves to bed and they do it anyways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there's lots of bad habits out there around going to bed. Um, and so are you finding, what about people who really have like serious sleep issues, like insomnia, that kind of thing? Have you been able, well, I guess it's pretty new. Are you gathering data in terms of if it's able to make a dent with those guys? Yeah. So we have um, one lab at Ottawa university and the Royal mental health Institute there that is going to be embarking on a study using Muse in different populations with mental health issues, uh, insomnia population, normal population, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'll be able to actually categorize the impact that it has on a population by population basis. Nice. You so far anecdotally, you know, people report that it's quite effective. Nice. And so there's lots of different soundscapes. Like I really love the variety that you've built into it because you know, to your point, whether you want to fall asleep to a story or you want to fall asleep to a guided meditation, for me, it it has to be sound and music. I I don't want words because I'll engage. (laughs) That's just me. Like I'll engage with the words. Whereas I find that it's, you know, sound and, and, and the, and the embedding of nature into so much of what you're done, you've done, I'm sure is not haphazard. Like, this nature deficit disorder that we all seem to be suffering from. I think bringing that into all these different aspects of Muse, I'm sure is a huge part of the master plan. It definitely is. We're all nature lovers and, you know, we don't wish to create artificial experiences of nature, but when you can offer somebody an experience of nature, that is a beautiful soundscape that was actually, you know, derived from nature and you're really, you're really listening to it, Mm -hmm. you know, that moving on multiple, multiple levels. And uh, my co-founder, Chris, uh, is out in BC, out in the woods as he builds many of these things, like literally living in a cabin (laughs) up north. No kidding. That's so. Yeah. yeah. He he went from a cabin in northern Ontario to another one in BC. He's, he's, He's very deep with the land as he builds these. That's amazing. That's so great. I mean, it's so nice to hear that it's coming from such a real and authentic place. Um, and so let's talk also a little bit. So there's a new meditation in the in the app that I wasn't familiar with. And I guess it's come now with the Muse S and that is the heart meditation, which, you know, that always brings me back to heart math, the coherence training that we sometimes do. But this is a little bit different. And I tried it for the first time with the Muse S and I, I found it like so calming and soothing like there's something almost primal about it maybe we want to talk about it and how what made what brought you to introduce it as a new feature sure so the the heart meditation is really beautiful so you're literally listening to the beating of your heart like the beating of a drum so on the muse device there's what's called a ppg sensor and it's detecting your heartbeat and so it's translating every beat of your heart 
into the beat of a drum. And what it gets you to do is to tune into your heart rate. Um, this is a quality called interoception, your ability to sensitively understand your internal state. And studies show that people with higher interoception have less stress because you're better able to say like, oh, my heart is racing. Oh, my shoulders are high. My breath is shallow. I better do something about it. Yeah. And, and be able to manage your, your state more effectively over time. And so with the heart meditation, you know, we, we started with mind and, you know, I'm a neuroscience person. So like mind is important, but we're really hard people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we, we couldn't feel good about going forward with a form offering meditation that was only for the brain and didn't also encompass the other aspects of the body and connect to the other aspects of the body and connect through the heart. And so the heart meditation both has this, you know, very heartfelt quality to it and super cool science. So we have this physiological phenomenon called our sinusoidal arrhythmia. That means when you breathe in, your heart rate increases. And when you breathe out, your heart rate decreases. So this is why spending time in breath patterns with long exhales cause you to become more relaxed because you're spending more time in a decreasing heart rate. That time spent in a decreasing heart rate then signals to your vagus nerve, okay, well, we're chilling out here. We're relaxing. Let's let's exacerbate this. Yes. Now, obviously, this is safe. We can do more of it. And so it's this real feed forward relaxation effect. And so in the uh, Muse Heart experience, what you're able to hear is when your heartbeat is speeding up and when it's slowing down and speeding up and slowing down with the rhythm of your breath. And you hear little audio, beautiful audio guides that, you know, let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out that this difference between our highest heartbeat on our in-breath and our lowest heartbeat on our out-breath, that's your HRV. Most people hear the term HRV and you don't really know what it means. Oh, so kidding. that is the variability in yeah. your heartbeats. And you want that variability to be big because it signals that you have a system that can recover. So what happens is as you're breathing in, your blood pressure is increasing, you're getting more oxygen your part is pumping and uh, your blood pressure increases, increases, increases. And then as you breathe out, your blood pressure decreases. So when you get to the top of the increase, it's a signal for your vagus nerve to go like, oh, you know, it's getting pretty hot in here. (laughs) Let's fire up that vagus nerve and like slow everything down. So when you have greater HRV, greater variability between your high peaks and your low peaks, it's an indication of your resilient system working well, that your vagus nerve can see that there's a, you know, pressure or stress on the system, kick right in and regulate you. So that's why HRV is a marker for better health, better physical health, typically youth, less depression, et cetera, et cetera. When you do these breathing exercises, what you're really training your body to do is increase your HRV to breathe in typically, you know, a fair amount, hold that breath a little bit, which encourages even more increase in your, in your blood pressure. And then exhale with a long, slow exhale, which is a lot of time in your decreasing heart rate. So you get a much bigger HRV, much bigger variation between what's at the top and what's at the bottom. And so to bring it back to the muse experience, when you play around with this and when you play around with long extended exhales and calming your body, what you end up seeing in your graph afterwards is these big, beautiful waves up and down, up and down that reflect a really beautiful, healthy HRV rolling up to the top and to the bottom. And if you're stressed, the line is really jagged and sharp and very squished. And so you begin to really 
see, like really get the impact of these very simple breathing practices and an understanding of your own heart and your own body and how it can like so clearly impact your stress and your physiological functioning. Wow. That's me. I've never heard HRV described in quite that way before. And that is, it's just, it's much easier to kind of get your head around. And I, and I would imagine again, just like the brain training helps you like that practice then helps you in the real world. Yes. Deal with real life situations. I often describe it to my clients as it becomes an ability, you develop an ability to almost have like a little bit of buffer between you and everything that's happening outside of yes. you. Gives you that little pause so you can choose your reaction instead of instantly reacting to things. But this breath work in the heart, again, you're training yourself to calm yes. your, your heart. And again, hopefully you carry that out into the world in your day-to-day life. Yeah. You're training yourself. You're totally right. You're training yourself both to be aware of Mm -hmm. when your heart is racing or when you're feeling ramped and to have the practices at hand to bring in to start to regulate yourself. So throughout the day, you know, instead of your stress rise, 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 rising, you can feel it rise a little bit, be like, Oh, you know, bring in a breath practice for 30 seconds, (laughs) you know, 20 seconds even, and then bring it down. And then it might rise a little bit and bring it down. And ultimately you spend your day in generally low stress because you're constantly just, you know, easing your system, easing your system until your system learns that it can just be that way that you got through this whole, whole day without having to be ramped. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's training. It's training. It's practice and training. This is amazing. So in the sleep mode, Mm-hmm. Is Muse reporting back on HRV there as well? You get heartbeat. So the data that you currently get in the Muse sleep is um, sleep staging. So, you know, I was in deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep, et cetera. You get position information, sleeping on your front side, left side, right side, um, which is actually very helpful also for pillow selection because the kind of pillow you should be using should correspond with the way that you spend most of your night sleeping, right? You get heart rate. So you see how your heart rate moved throughout the night. And sometimes there are spikes, which are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get uh, deep sleep points and a few other features will be coming over time. So, you know, we also can see deeply the microstructures of sleep, like your sleep spindles and K complexes, which is not yet available for the public, but I, like we continue to be able to update these and release them out. Okay. Can you just quickly tell us what deep sleep points are? And then we're going to have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys. We managed to squeeze this in, but she's a busy lady right now because she's going to be heading out for a while. <laughs> Thank you. So deep sleep obviously is what it sounds like deep sleep. Deep sleep is measured by your amount of delta waves. Mm-hmm. So the amplitude of your delta waves corresponds to the depth of your deep sleep. And when you look at how your sleep is, you're looking not only at how long you are in deep sleep, but also how deep your deep sleep was. We're going to have to record something else because the last question I had for you, which I think we don't have enough time for is really comparing the Muse sleep data to some of the other devices that are out in the market right now. And I have a feeling that Muse is probably the only one that truly compares to what, what was the, there was a PSG. So yeah, we've done the comparison. So PSG is a polysomnography system. It is a sleep lab. It's that awful experience that you go into with wires on your head, which like how I wake all night. (laughs) Yeah. I wake all night. 
Um, and so Muse is actually sleep lab quality data. It's now used by multiple sleep labs um, and it's used in many studies to be able to track sleep in a person's home rather than having to do it in their sleep lab. Yeah. Well, and it, I can tell you guys, like, it's seriously comfortable. I mean, the earbuds make it a little hard to lie on my side, which is what I normally, how I normally sleep. The band itself is like almost like wearing nothing. So, so hot tip, I muse, according to muse, I sleep primarily on my right side. So now I just put the headphone only in my left ear because I only sleep on my right side. (laughs) That's so, so that was wondering, I was wondering if you needed both earphones or if you could only use one. So if you can just one's fine. That's a total game changer. I'm all in on that one. Okay. So Ariel, why don't we just leave people with where they can find you, where they can learn more about Muse? Cause I know you've got to jump and then we're going to have a discount code for people. The link will be in the show notes, people. It's going to be one of those ones. I can't just read to you out loud. So I'll just leave it with you, Ariel, to close off. Sure. You can learn more about Muse at choosemuse.com. I have a podcast untangle where we learn about all things brain and, uh, life improvements and hacks. And you can find me personally on Instagram at Ariel's Musings. Love it. And this is wonderful. Thank you so much for the opportunity to connect and share. Oh, and thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. It was great to finally meet you. And I look forward to chatting again. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, mattnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.